Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Buddhang tamang sankhang nama Sami. It's a truism to say that we create our own world. <coughs> and however, it's important to keep realizing that that uh, we create our world out of especially our perceptions and our thoughts and our views and the path of meditation is not just recognizing that but using that in order to get some deeper understanding of what we call this reality <laughs> and knowing that how we can actually manipulate that which we call reality and thereby understanding its <coughs> a lack of real truth and solidity. What you can manipulate is only real to that extent and underlying that is the, the work of illusion. Underlying that is the emptiness of this thing we call reality. And meditation is all about manipulating our perceptions, dropping one perception after the other, simplifying, letting go. And that word letting go is the key word to gain depth in meditation. And it's also the key word to gain insight. And it's also the key word which shows that insight has happened because letting go, abandonment, renunciation is the result of any insight worthy of its name. But sometimes that letting go is very easily said but hard to perform. And so that we do have this training in meditation. And we have these skillful means which help us deepen our ability to gain quiet, and very deep stages of letting go <coughs> and the particular technique or particular aspect which I'm going to be talking about this evening is developing the perception developing the understanding and making the reality of emptiness both in your external life and especially in your internal life the perception of sunyata, of emptiness, can be used at all levels of your practice. But as is usual, we start at the, the ordinary level of your daily lives. You will find that whatever business you have in your life, you put it there. That our life is basically empty. And you have no one else to blame except for yourself. All the things which you have in your hut, you put them there. You've got no one to blame but yourself. 
Sometimes people delight in the things which they have in their hut. Sometimes people delight in the business they can make in their life. For such people, I would do well to develop the perception of emptiness, of sunyata, that these things, as it were, are disturbing the beauty of emptiness, the sparkling brilliance of nothing. We fill up the emptiness in our hut to the point we can hardly see it anymore, with all the things lining the bookshelves, on our desks, on our floor, the things which we take to be necessary to our comfort, but which are in fact just heavy burdens on our mind. You should know that part of the practice of jhana meditation is having few possessions. That is not just your physical possessions, but your work possessions as well. In the Karaniya Mata Sutta, we say that the person should develop apakicho, few duties. <coughs> and sometimes that people always tend to make more duties for you. And so sometimes I can get quite niggled when people make more duties for me. All the duties tend to stop towards the top of the line. But certainly do not make more duties for yourself. Do not make more work, do not make more projects. It is not your job to send letters all over the world. It is your job to empty your business. Empty your heart and start perceiving this the beauty of emptiness, of nothingness. Things always create work. They need to be maintained. They need to be preserved. And they always need to be uh, placed here and then placed there. The emptiness, when focused on it, creates no work, creates no maintenance, and does not need to have any attention or any work done on it at all. Things arouse the doer. Emptiness arouses silence. Even though that you may have work in the monastery, even though you may have possessions in your hut, you'll be well to develop the perception of emptiness. Even though there are things there, there is also much which we call nothing there. Even the possessions you have, <coughs> you just create the reality that they are things. The truth is, if you can perceive it, there's nothing there. There is no book, there is no thermos, there is no chair. There's just the illusion of the senses. Just like the Lord Buddha used to describe the Rupa Kanda, and that also includes the Ajata Rupa Kanda, all those external objects, they are just like froths on the river Ganges. You look closer, examine it more deeper. And what are those things which we call our possessions? They are themselves just conglomeration of elements with no real thing there. So why do we take so much time and care over these things? Just taking care of emptiness. 
if you could see the emptiness within your possessions and develop that reality, make that your world, <coughs> you would find that you would automatically incline towards simplicity, towards contentment with little, and towards ease of lifestyle. So you will not be doing so many things. What can you do to empty air? That perception of emptiness turns your attention away from the, <coughs> the problems and duties of life as you look in the world in a different way. If a person who keeps the perception of things will have also <coughs> the perception of things to do, will have the perception of things which are right and things which are wrong. If you can, for a moment, let down that world and take up the world of emptiness to change the perception around, then what you think is important changes. Remember, we occupy our mind with what we take to be important. And so often that we can look upon it in another way completely, if we really wish to. And what we think is important is very trivial indeed. Just like sometimes you see little children playing with toys, and to them it's the most important thing in, thing in their world, but to us it's trivial in the same way that an Arya could see a person playing with what they think is just so important but to them it's so trivial. We make our world so make sure that we make a world which is going to be leading towards the goal of liberation and not leading to the goal of entanglement more things, more problems, more duties if you develop the perception of uh, emptiness, it leads to lack of what they call kamarama, the, the getting involved in work, getting involved in doing things. It leads to less speech. <coughs> Sometimes you wonder, what are you talking about anyway? It's all empty. There's no one really there. There's no thing really there. It is creating all of this. But more importantly, that to create that perception of emptiness when one starts to meditate. When you're starting to meditate, that you'll <coughs> always have the business of your life interrupting you. Whether you're the abbot or the deputy abbot or just an anagarica who's just come to visit for three months. We all have our business. And at the beginning of the meditation, it can obsess the mind. The trick of meditation is to be able to let go of all those duties and all those concerns and attend the process of meditation when the mind is obsessed with the past or obsessed with the future it finds it very difficult to let go of those things to turn away to something else I've mentioned before it's because of the value you put in that past or the future 
the mind thinks this is important, this has to be done. And very often, monks, I've seen it, seen myself doing it, we want to get these things out of the way before we meditate. We want to do all of these things and get it perfect before we can sit down and be still. And be careful because you can waste so many years getting things out of the way. You should get jhana out of the way first and then do those other things. Achieve a jhana, get in there and experience these things and then do other things. But of course, I guarantee that after a jhana all these other things would seem so mundane, so ordinary, so unnecessary. <coughs> Remember the perceptions which you have are so often based on defilements. So often they're bent to the purpose of Mara and we take them to be real and true and thereby are ensnared by the defilements. Be careful of your perceptions. Develop the good ones and be very suspicious of <coughs> those which you suspect come from defilements. But here the use of the perception of emptiness will be a noble, useful, uh, beneficial perception to develop at this stage. When you look upon your past or your future as empty, it's not really there. It's just the ideas which come up into the mind, just the play of lights on the surface of a pond or the play of light and a dewdrop, just giving an image here and an image there of your past and your future. Apparently real, but in truth, just nothing there. If you can see it in that way, it gets very easy to drop past and future. It gets very easy to drop the concerns of your day, the concerns of your life when you look at it through the spectrum of, or through the glasses of emptiness. Because emptiness means no concern. What's there? It's just a bubble, just an illusion. Developing that perception of emptiness to your past and your future helps you let go of that stage of, of thinking about past and future looking at thoughts and just seeing how empty they are just like echoes in a room just bouncing backwards and forwards in your mind some years ago I described the <coughs> perception of a mind being like a padded cell with like thoughts bouncing or rather moving across the room but as soon as they hit the side of that padded cell they never bounce back. It's like thoughts being absorbed by the edges of the mind, but not bouncing, not repeating themselves, but coming to stillness very quickly. Or the perception that these thoughts are just like bubbles. There's nothing inside of them. Of course, in the Buddha's simile, he said they were just like a plantain tree. They are part of the Sankara Kanda. <coughs> you peel them 
and peel them to get at their heart and you find there's nothing really there. But inside of these thoughts it's completely empty. Basically they're useless and futile. But just like a plantain tree they can look so beautiful and so promising. Promising of some real substance at their heart. Promising that through thought we can get at the truth. That we can solve a problem, we can get some answer and find some truth which we can then prove to everybody else. And the point is that thought is hollow. It can appear impressive. It can even sometimes convince fools. But the wise would never be impressed by a thought. Just like a plantain tree. Just very nice coloured leaves. Suggestive of something solid inside. But on examination it turns out to be completely empty. Imagine what you could do if you looked at all of your thoughts in that way. It's completely empty. Empty of purpose, empty of meaning, empty of value. Just like glass beads, which can sometimes people take as pearls. You look and they're just beads made of glass, cheap, worthless. You would throw them away. You would never uh, put them around your neck. <coughs> to one of the the monks a short time ago, I described using a supergamatan to one's thoughts. I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but I cannot remember when. Is to use a perception of thoughts like the carcass of dogs in a simile where the Buddha said, just like a young man or a young woman, young, fond of adornments, would feel disgusted of finding there was a carcass of a dog slung around their neck. And I adapt that simile to say in just the same way, to feel like a thought slung around the beautiful, peaceful, empty mind. It's like putting a carcass of a dog around this beautiful, radiant mind. Who would ever do that? You'd only do that if you perceive the carcass of a dog to be something attractive and beautiful and thinking other people will praise you for it. In the same way, thoughts are to the beautiful mind like the carcass of a rotting dog. <coughs> they defile the mind. They cover up the beauty of the mind and they obstruct the realization of that beauty. So look upon your thoughts not just as empty but with a super as even impure. The impure on the outside and hollow on the inside. Seeing it that way you'll neither delight in them nor find any value in them but be able to abandon them with reasonable ease developing the perception of asupa and emptiness to the thoughts which you have from time to time. You can see that this perception of emptiness 
assist the letting go. Once that perception of emptiness has manifested with that particular phenomena, when you see it as empty, then there's nothing really to hold on to. There's nothing there. It's gone with the first arising of the perception that this is just a magic trick. But you continue with this emptiness <coughs> perception even when you're just watching the breath in silence, paying no attention to thoughts, to be able to see this breath as empty. Just a feeling, a sensation, which the Buddha described as like a raindrop hitting a puddle, arising for a moment and then disappearing. This breath always on the move, arising and passing away unsubstantial, empty. Sometimes it's strange, but it's true, that it's easy to hold something you look upon as empty, and something which is a thing. Because emptiness just stays there, and things, objects, seem to be very slippy. They tend to want to slip out of the mind. But emptiness just stays there, once it's recognized. Look upon the breath as being an empty breath. Nothing really there. And then it's very easy to watch. So only when we give it significance does it arouse the controller, the doer. We want to sort of mess around with this because it's a thing, another thing we want to possess and control and move around. No one in their right mind would try and control the air in this, around this, this planet. We will control the, the woods and the earth and the rivers, even try and control the clouds, but the air, that which is close to emptiness, we don't even try to control. Perceiving the breath as emptiness means that <coughs> the control of the doer has nothing to really grab onto, has no place to, to, to <coughs> turn and twist the controls. They cannot find the lever when there's nothing there. It confounds the doer when you can just experience emptiness. What can I do with emptiness? The doer cries in vain, nothing. So the doer slinks away in frustration not being able to, to grab hold and cause problems. Look upon the breath as empty, even the beautiful breath as empty. And if you can look upon the beautiful breath as empty, again, the mind will find greater delight there. In emptiness there is peace, there is stillness. Remember, in each of these stages of meditation is developing that profound delight or contentment in stillness. Emptiness means there's nothing to do, nothing to change. And by developing that perception of emptiness onto the beautiful breath, especially to seeing the beautiful breath is hollow, inside it, is the emptiness which you'll perceive as a nimitta. 
This idea of like hollowness is very beautiful way of looking at emptiness. Whatever you experience, there is a sense of reality on the outside, a sense that there's something being there. There is the perception of the real. But inside of it, in its heart, there you see emptiness. That's why metaphors like a bubble are so beautiful. On the bubble, on the surface, there's something tangible there. It even reflects the light and has shape. But inside, if you go deeper, you find it's made up of emptiness. In the same way, even the beautiful breath. Look at the center of it and you'll find it's empty. It's empty of <coughs> the five senses inside of the, the breath. To perceive that is to go to the nimitta. Because the nimitta is that which is beyond the five senses. I was very impressed. <coughs> it is obviously going to be the case with the suttas by the Lord Buddha on the sunyata, the Chula Sunyata and the Mahasunyata suttas. Especially by the Lord Buddha saying that emptiness is always to be understood as empty of something. That something is missing to create this experience of emptiness. That when the nimitta appears, when the beautiful breath has gone, and you notice that something has disappeared. And that's why the perception of the nimitta can also include the perception of emptiness. It's empty of the breath, it's empty of words, it's empty of the five external senses. There there is no physical touch. There there is no sight, smell, taste. There there is no sound. That silence is a manifestation of emptiness. And this is where you should be able to, to perceive the beauty of emptiness the deeper the emptiness becomes, the more delight it will give to the mind. And even if all you perceive at this stage is not a light but emptiness, then that is a bona fide nimitta, the empty nimitta, the sunya nimitta. And just allow that to develop into a jhana. The jhanas themselves are stages of emptiness. I call them stages of letting go sometimes. Today I call them stages of emptiness. They're empty of so much of the world that you were used to. Again, understanding this is understanding just how simple life can be and just how beautiful that simplicity can be. When I'm talking of simplicity, I'm talking about abiding just in the mind and nowhere else. As if you are emptying the mind out of all of these, all of its furniture and possessions and books and stuff, throwing the whole lot out and even knocking down the walls 
so there's just emptiness there, not even a hut, not even a roof or floor, just the mind. The mind which is not confined by the five senses. I always liked the description of the jhanas as Wimokas. The eight Wimokas, the Lord Buddha called it. Wimoka means freeing, deep freeing. Moka, moksha in Sanskrit. When a person is released from prison, they got moksha, moka, freedom. Wimoka is intense freedom. These are liberations of the mind from the world. It's emptying out of all the rubbish and concerns but sometimes we don't notice these things as rubbish and concerns. When we've always got them, we value them, we cherish them, we care for them, we think they're the most important things in the world. Our thoughts and ideas. You know people even write books about their thoughts and go and sell them to other people and think how great they are because their thoughts influence other people. Some people are just so cherish their ears as they go and take them to different concert halls around the world and just delight their ears. And of course some people sort of cherish their tongues and take them to the different restaurants and then wag them in front of their friends to tell them all about it. This is all cherishing, absolute rubbish. And just, it just jams up the beauty of the mind. Emptiness, just throw all this out. Just vacate, or just throw out the tenants of the mind who create all the noise. It's like having a room with these louts as tenants. These five troublemakers, always dirtying up your house, creating a noise never giving you any peace, always creating business and things to do, never allowing you to rest, never really allowing you to enjoy this house we call the mind. Throw out those five rowdy tenants, evict them, empty your house of them and just experience the bliss of an empty room, the jhanas. But carry on the perception of emptiness. I'm going to give a talk later about jhanas, but I'll mention here that as you go deeper into the jhanas, you go deeper into the jhanas through the degree of letting go or through the degree of calming which you take into the first jhana or the degree of emptiness which you're aspiring towards. If you make that the theme of your mind, if you make that its intention, its aspiration, then you'll find the mind, even in the first jhana, will lean to more emptiness. It's as if it becomes a habit ingrained in the mind to throw out more things rather than to gather up more it will throw out Vitaka Vichara. 
it will throw out pity, it will throw out sukha as it empties the mind more and more it will empty the mind all the way to Niroda complete emptiness empty of consciousness itself empty of perception the height of emptiness this is how you can use the perception of emptiness to develop the jhanas but of course that's not the end of the path but nevertheless you've got so far that I can't see how you won't make the next step just this emptiness which is temporary when you just see that all of the things of the, the world and the things of the mind eventually are reduced to absolutely nothing when you go to the heart of this hollow shell we call life Nama Rupa when you go to the heart of that and find it's just hollow and there's nothing inside means it all disappears then you understand about the idea of illusion the play of vinyana Lord Buddha called vinyana just like a magician's trick an illusion which is woven into the mind and into the world when you untangle that illusion and you see that there's absolutely nothing there there's a mirage has been seen through and emptiness is perceived seeing emptiness is to see there's no heart in anything sometimes people write books called the path with a heart I like to write a book a path with no heart with no nothing the hollow path however I don't think people really understand what I mean but this is that path to seeing just the emptiness inside and once of course it's seen it can never be forgotten once you actually see the emptiness of the play of samsara then you'll find there's nothing to delight in in this world all that you thought, thought was important is just like the shell which is empty inside like a beautiful wrapped Christmas present which someone tell, sends you for a joke and you open it up and you find ha ha nothing inside in the same way this thing we call Nama Rupa not just outside life but your jitter itself the mind go to it find it and open it up and see what's inside emptiness now, years ago I told a simile of the driverless bus you all know this simile but I just show the ending when you find out who the doer is who's the person responsible for all of this because after a while you get pretty frustrated with the doer never does it right 
When you find out where the doer sits, like in, being in a bus, the doer being the driver, it's hard to find the seat in which the doer rests. When you do find that seat, when you do go into deep meditation, into the mind, and find out what the doer is, then you find it's an empty seat. I use that simile to show that that which you take to be an important part of yourself, choice, will, decision, doing, that which you take to pull the levers and pull the buttons and push the buttons, that you see is empty. No one there. If you truly can see that, then you've got most of anatta. Of course, the other bit which is empty, which very few people can see, is the knower, the jitta, consciousness, vinyana, manner, whatever you wish to call it. That which knows is just like a bubble rises and pops, rises again, pops, the knower not really staying. Instead of the knower, all we see is the knowing, the process, not the thing. And this is what the Buddha meant by emptiness, that that which we call the doer is empty, that which we call the knower is empty. The sankharas, the vinyana, nama rupa, it's all empty, not there. Once that perception <coughs> has been developed, it should be continued with sati, with mindfulness. Because sometimes it's just too easy to forget. It's just too easy to get caught up in the world again and to take all of these mirages as being somehow real and crying for them and laughing over them. How can you delight in something which is not truly there? So only when we misunderstand the reality and this is the reality I said which we create around emptiness. Only when we mistake it do we delight in it, or do we get averse to it, do we get angry at it? If we could understand it, if we could understand the emptiness of all of this, how could there ever be craving or aversion? How could there ever be the, the craving to be when there's nothing there? How could it ever be the craving to possess? when there's neither a possessor nor the possessed. All of these things will fall away if you can develop the perception of emptiness and maintain it and see its truth. <coughs> so the, de the development of emptiness is very important. You can understand another simile which I've given a few times 
because I started this talk by saying that we do create our reality. We create our reality around that emptiness. I always liked the simile which came many years ago of the old children's colouring book. So I remember as a child my mother buying me this, this book of pages and all there was was black lines on white paper and I had to colour in the spaces. And by colouring the spaces with my crayons I created the image of an elephant or a policeman or a bus or a house. And there to me it appeared that's an elephant, that's a house, that's a, a man. But all it was was black lines on white paper which I had coloured in. It was emptiness on which I'd put a coat. And depending on my mood at the time, I could put some very beautiful clothes around the emptiness and delight in it. Or I could put some ugly clothes and be detested by the, my reality. It was me who dressed and coloured this emptiness. And once I realised that, <coughs> once you understood that, you understood how we create reality around this emptiness. And once you understand that, it gives you confidence that you can play with this thing we call perception. Remember once in my early years as a meditator that I got a nimitta up of a demon. Sometimes that happens in meditation, especially when you start to get into deep stages. Nimittas can come up which aren't just bright lights. They can actually be images of beings or scenes or all sorts of stuff. And this very frightening demon came up into my mind. I remember another lady once told me that she too had an experience of a demon in her meditation. And this demon actually spoke words to her which she said she heard audibly, it seemed. And the demon said to her, I've come to take over your mind. <laughs> and she didn't meditate for weeks afterwards. <laughs> until I told her, I said, that's like a burglar coming to your house, knocking at your door and telling you, excuse me madam, I've come to break into your house. Burglars don't do that. Demons don't come and give you any warning. But my demon, I abandoned it by realizing very quickly that I had created this demon and I could do whatever I wanted with it. If I remember correctly, it was something like you see in some of these Tibetan paintings. There were skulls around its neck and fierce eyes and sharp teeth dripping blood. I blacked out some of those teeth. So there was spaces in it like a mandus. <laughs> <coughs> I put glasses around its eyes like John Lennon. I put a hat on it with a flower coming out until that demon looked so ridiculous inside my mind I smiled and the demon went and never came back again. 
that's how you can play around with perception in the mind and you can play around with it in the world just as much you make your happiness or your suffering samsara is empty so if you're going to live in this world I advise you to live with a smile it's more conducive to jhanas for no other reason but always remember that you create all of this on top of emptiness see if you can see the heart and then you'll find emptiness and see if you can use the perception of emptiness to develop greater depth in your practice of meditation so that's all I wish to say this evening on the subject of emptiness Has anyone got any comments or questions? Good.